Good morning, we look high. It's Yuya. I'm here to remind you. Oh, hold on. Popo is calling. Popo, ah, ah, 是的，我还在帮您筹钱呢。我知道您腿还疼。哦，我我先挂了呀，我得走了。我正在录广播呢。好好，再见。I will let your hostess take it from here. Uh, and remember, grab the day by the horn. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of AP Bio the podcast. I'm Eddie Lady, and I'm Sari Arambolo, and let's just dive right into episode 304. Get Hoppy, written by Jess Locker and directed by Glenn Howerton. That's right, we did just say directed by Glenn. Mm-hmm. To quickly recap, Principal Durbin publishes a Bobby Bunny-friendly version of Jack's philosophy book, which they then promote on a local morning show. Principal Durbin lets his 15 minutes of fame get the best of him, ditching his lunch with AP Bio student Kayla Baker. In the meantime, Mary, Steph, and Michelle divide the AP Bio class by competing to make that money with their young entrepreneurs club. Steph leads her team with P back at Pooh Thirty shirts, while Mary and Michelle campaign to raise money for Yu Yao's grandma Popo. So, Sari, my love, what do you remember about shooting this episode? Oh man. Uh, so many things about this. This episode was such a fun one. I think the first thing that comes to mind is me eating the crayon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was just such a fun bit uh, for Grace and very on brand for her and her character. And I remember everyone coming up to me and being like, "Oh my gosh, you're gonna eat the crayon! Like, what's it made out of?" And I asked props, and it's actually made out of. Sugar or icing or some sort of sugar, and they actually got it from a from a bakery in Burbank,、um, which、oh. makes these sorts of things, <laughs> which、That's、is kind of cool. I'm sure they get a lot of asks about fun little props that people get to eat、um, being in Hollywood. So yeah, that was really fun, and it tasted very sweet. I had a sugar headache after all the takes, but it was definitely <laughs> worth it.、Um, yeah, that was definitely. A really fun, a fun time.、Um, what about you, Eddie? What do you remember? Yeah, there were so many things.、Um, obviously, being directed by Glenn, which we will get into in a little bit,、mm-hmm. but that was such an energy shift to you know not only have him be our co-star but also our director. So that was really cool to sort of observe how that worked.、Um, but you know, I also loved being able to spend some time with. Gene, Mary, and Lyric in our Young Entrepreneurs Club. I I felt like we never got a lot of quality time with them in this episode. We were able to see sort of their brilliance, you know, right in front of us. For、and、sure, they're so funny, and and their energy and their banter is is great. And I think that scene where we're all in the entrepreneurs club presenting our ideas、um, with Allison and her what is that thing called the pig whistle? What is I it? I forget、called? what the I don't remember. I really don't <laughs> it's remember. Like, it's, a it's some sort、role. of contraption with a watermelon. Um, yeah, but it's I think it's、pig. like the pig whistle, but I could be wrong. <laughs>、um, and you know, having Yu Yao have such a moment—I mean, she had us dying, take <laughs>、yeah. after take after take—and I think. Glenn did such a great job at just giving her so many different ways to do it, and she just destroyed 
that moment with Popo and the presentation. I agree. She killed it. Again, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but it's so great to see the world evolve and get bigger and have all of these characters really get to shine. Yeah, for sure. Well, now when I watched back the episode, what I loved about it was the small details. Um, There's this one moment with Mary and Michelle versus Steph. And it's with the shirts versus Popo. And um, the music is so different when you're listening to it. It's like when, when it's on the on our shirts that were like pee back at Poo 30, whatever. It was um, very like banjo-like. And then they cut to the music of Popo, which is more like in the arms of an angel. It's just so <laughs> funny. Like I was dying watching it. And... I think it is really a testament to the entire AP Bio team and especially Glenn for this episode who really made this all come together. All right, everyone shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Shut up. Our next guest really needs no introduction, but here's one anyway. Not only is he the star and producer of AP Bio, this Juilliard graduate created and stars in the acclaimed FX series It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which, after its historic 15th season renewal, will be the longest-running live-action comedy series in American television history. Whoa. His other credits include ER, The Mindy Project, and The Hunt. Please welcome Glenn Howerton. Hello, Glenn. How are you? Hey, Glenn. How are you guys? Oh, we're good. So good, good. to see you. It's, it's just, Thanks for being here. Yeah. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very happy you guys, uh, you guys asked me. But before we jump into everything, I mean, the world is completely different from the last time we saw you in March on set. How are you holding up in this, in this crazy time? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, man, I can't, I can't complain. Honestly. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm working from home instead of going to an office every day. And um, as a result, I'm, you know, anytime I want to take a little break, I get to pop up and see my kids and see my wife and, uh, my wife and I are working on a project together, which we hadn't done before, which is cool. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So so I I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of weirdly like figured out how to kind of enjoy it. Um That's great. And you're staying creative, yeah. so we have some things to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Um and the other question we love to start off by asking our guests is what were you like in high school? You know, I was really good and I was a really good student. Uh, all through school, um, kind of until I got to high school. Um, I was super into academics, mostly math and science, um, more than like, I wasn't much of a history in English. It's weird because I feel like most uh, most actors and artists were like, oh, I loved history and I loved English and literature, but yeah. uh, but I hated math and science. I was the exact opposite. I, I couldn't stand literature. I couldn't stand English, couldn't stand history. Uh, just didn't care about any of that stuff. Uh, but I thought math was awesome. Wow. <laughs> I still do. I, I was the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I still, I still love math. I love numbers in high school. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I sort of around a little bit in high school. Like it started, it's just life became a little bit more about my social search, circle in high school, I think. And I, 
And, and, and honestly, I, looking back on it now, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think it, it also just became more about um, acting for me. Um, you know, I mean, I discovered acting pretty young. I started acting when I was like 10 or 11 years old Oh wow! Um, in like uh, local plays and stuff like that. And then, um, and then it just kind of, and then in high school, it really, it really started to, started to take shape. I mean, I started getting cast in, like uh, in good parts and, and, and I realized that I really enjoyed it and I liked it. And, um, and so other things started to kind of fall by the wayside a little bit. That's awesome. Well, fast forwarding from your roots to, to present day with AP Bio, we just wanted to hear um, how AP Bio first came to your attention and what initially drew you to this project. Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I wasn't really even looking. Uh, I had already, there's a misconception out there that I had like, you know, maybe quit Sunny or stopped doing Sunny uh, in order to do AP Bio. It's, that's not the case at all. I had actually decided to take a, a little bit of a step back from Sunny. Uh, just for my own, you know, personal reasons, and uh, and was like, I think I might want to do, I, I want to work on something else, you know. Um, but I, I really kind of had my eyes, I, I kind of had my mind set on doing a drama, if I'm being honest. Um, mm. But then this script just like one day got sent to me. I just think through the normal channels, like through my agent, and um, they were like, Yeah, you should, you should check this out. And I was like, Comedy. And I was like. Mm. I just, I'm doing, I'm already doing a sitcom. I want to do different things, you know, but then I read it and I just, it was so, so funny. And I just, it was like one of those things where I don't know, you know, you, you have this thing as an actor where I, I know that I want to do something when I can't focus on reading it. I, I keep performing it like mm. literally out loud to myself. Like I, I start saying the lines, like I start acting it. I start just to make myself laugh. And I didn't even realize that I'm doing it half the time. And that's when I knew that I was just doing that through the whole script. I was like, oh my God, I really want to be this guy. I want to do this. Yeah. I want to be this guy. But I still was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to commit to another sitcom, you know, because, you know, you sign a big contract and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so, but I, I sat down with Mike and we talked and I, I really liked him and I really liked his work on SNL. Um, and then I met with, uh, then I met with Lorne, um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he seemed to, to really be behind it in a way that it was like, it felt like it was gonna, it was gonna stand. It was, my big concern was, I was like, this script is great. Uh, I don't want it to go through the network meat grinder, if I'm being honest. <clears throat> and I was afraid it was going to get watered down that they were going to, that they were going to look at it. They were going to, yeah, this is fun. No, this is great. This is funny. And then slowly be like, can we make it a little more likable? Can we make Jack a little more likable, 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 likable. And the next thing you know, you're like, well, this isn't even the same script. anymore. Yeah. This isn't even the same yeah. show anymore. And I've seen that happen so many times. I was like, you know, so I talked to Lauren about that and Lauren was like, you know, he assured me that he was not going to let that happen. Um, that he, that, that was, you know, I, I just needed to know that he was going to protect it. You know, having created my own show, I also know that the only way for something to really truly be unique is to let the creator do his thing, uh, mm -hmm. his or her thing. Um, you know, you have to give them a certain, I mean, you want to, I think the best studio network notes like kind of guide the creator towards certain things, but ultimately it has to be left up to the creator. Otherwise it's never going to, it's always going to feel like t it doesn't have one singular point of view and it won't stand out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I, I felt like at, at it, it had the potential to really 
you know, I mean, I could tell Mike really has a unique voice and, uh, mm -hmm. that was, that was what excited me the most about it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. So now getting into this episode, get hoppy written by Jess Locker and directed by you. Obviously, with your career, especially with Always Sunny, it, you have proven to be such a multi-hyphenate. Um, you literally can do everything. So as your career has evolved, what made you want to get into, into directing as well? Uh, you, you know, I never really... I never really wanted to be a director, honestly, but I didn't want to be a writer or a producer mm. either. <laughs> I, 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 Cue, it's always sunny. <laughs> it's really weird, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, mo you know, I've always been like an eat your vegetables kind of guy. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I you know, the, I've always admired actually those actors who are just cool to just be like, look, I, I'm just an actor. Okay. I'm just an actor. Like I don't write, mm. I don't produce, I don't direct, I don't do any of that. Sh I don't know how to do any of that stuff. There's people out of that are way more passionate, passionate about it than me. And, and I'm just, I'm just an actor and they devote all of their time and energy to that. Like, uh, I actually love that. I, I sometimes wish I could just do that because I think in some ways that is what I want to do. I just want to be an actor, but like, it doesn't, I, I'm just so, I'm too, I need a backup plan or it's like, I'm, I'm too worried that like, I'm not going to get cast in the stuff that I want to get cast in or nobody's making what I want to make. So, so then I'm like, all right, fine. I'll make it. <laughs> I think this goes back to your right brain, left brain thing. Yeah. Like yeah. You're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, and I, and I, I'm not, uh, I'm not good just being kind of stagnant either. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I realized at a certain point I was like, well, I do, I don't know if I want to direct, so I better just go ahead and direct and see if I like it. Um, you know, uh, so like I said, I never had this like drive, you know, drive or, or urge to do it, but I was like, I have an opportunity to do it because I have my own show. Um, and, uh, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do it. Um, so, you know, I really only started directing last year. I mean, look, I, we, Rob, Charlie, and I have been in some way, shape or form kind of directing that show since the very beginning. And I, you know, and I, yeah. I co-directed the original handheld pilot, you know, so I helped establish, you know, like I established the look of the show, mm -hmm. you know, so, so in some ways I've been directing for years, uh, you know, but I just hadn't officially taken that, uh, taken that title until, um, you know, which by the way, entails a tremendous amount of work, um, yeah. And, uh, and, 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 oh God, it's, it's hard. It's really, hard. <laughs> it's AP bio is, it's harder to direct a show like AP bio than Sunny. Sunny, the show is just, it's so oh. simple. It's all kind of handheld. We cross shoot everything, you know, AP bio is like, this has to like look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, Mike we, was telling us in terms of the shot, instead of just being handheld and it's a little easier to go quicker, we're very steady, like single cam. So it takes a lot of time to get it right and we would actually love because i'm watching this episode back i was like wow this episode is jam-packed i feel like every character yeah. has something going on and i was like this this was a big episode um so what as a director what was your prep process like i'm um, getting ready for this episode uh well first of all it was making sure that i really understand the story backwards and forwards. I mm. really, really understand the story because ultimately, 
you know, that was, that's anything that I want to do as a director has to be in service of, um, you know, whatever they were intending to get across as, as a story. Um, you know, so, uh, whatever tricks or, or cool, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm always annoyed by directors that want to put in a cool shot that doesn't actually help the story or push the story isn't actually what that moment's supposed to be about. You know, sometimes there's moments in something where you're like, really just this moment, it's just about the performances. That's it, you know? So you don't want to do a big swooping camera thing, you know, or like some fancy, you know, cool shot when really you just should be sitting with the character watching them experience something or go through something. Uh, you know, so knowing all that stuff, like understanding what the beats were, what the characters needed to be learning, what the characters needed to be, uh, uh, you know, going through, it kind of started, starts with that, right? So knowing what, know, knowing how I want to build to those moments that are significant for the character, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, from there, it's just then, you know, like I, I shot list, um, some directors don't uh, shot. Li- I every single shot I shot listed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I spent almost all of my time just walking through the set and just coming up with my shot list. Um, and because I didn't go to directing school uh, and don't have a ton of experience as a director, uh, that takes me longer than it probably takes most uh, other other directors. But then I feel prepared on the day and I have a shot list, and I know that if we shoot the shot list, we're good. Um, but I also am ready to just throw the shot list out because sometimes DP's got a got a better idea of how something should be shot or how something should be framed or, you know, or there's a technical glitch on the day or or you realize once you get there you're like oh god this is this, mu- this is not what I thought it was going to be and you just kind of you know kind of stay nimble but um, yeah. um, you know and the and then the and then and and the, the, that's the other thing too is like making sure that me and the DP and my AD my assistant director are all on the same page about what we're trying to get that day because I kind of need them to help me stay on top of the shots once they've been established so that I can focus on the actors. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good process. And that, that and that, that's, and you know, and that's something we've, you know, we, that's something we've done on Sunny uh, more than anything. You know, we, we, we're pretty good about letting the directors dictate what the shots are going to be, but we're very hands-on when it comes to performance. Yeah. Well, going off of that, when, when you're finally on set and, and shooting, um, what are other challenges that come up when obviously you're directing a scene, but then you're also acting in it? Because I remember seeing you and you would be in, like in Jack, like fully in it. And then you'd have to go back to Video Village and then come back to set. And it's like seeing you juggle both of those worlds. What was that like? Well, I had to, you know, I had to get over this, the, the self-consciousness of uh, sort of recognizing how strange it is to be acting in a scene, you know, to be like in a moment and then be like, all right, cut. Uh, you know, yeah. all right guys, so let's, let's do this again. Let's all right. Reset. Everything reset. You know, you're like, you're doing a scene. You're like, hey, just doing those like, all, right, cut. all right, guys. You know, so, um, I remember the first time I did it, uh, was, uh, two seasons ago or whatever, or was it last season on sunny? Um, no, it was last season. Sunny. We've done so many damn seasons of that show. Um, <laughs> like the first day, the first day of doing that, I, it took me the whole day to get the hang of it. Cause I'd be, I'd finish, I'd, the scene would end and my, my AD would go, you have to call a cut, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, that means like as an actor, you're so in it, right? 
and you're just used to staying in the moment and still living it. And you're like, oh, wait, that's me. I'm the one who says cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, totally. And, 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 our, and our ADs don't want, they don't want to call cut because we, we like to improvise a lot. So they don't know, they don't really know when we're done. Um, but it really just kind of took me a day of, of getting used to being the guy who calls cut. And then, 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 you know, then it just becomes kind of like anything. It's, it's like a muscle that you work. You just, you just, uh, you know, you, you just, you just have to switch gears. You know, you just got to like go, okay. Um, I, I know what the shots are. We've set the shots with the stand-ins. I know what the cameras are doing. I trust that, that my AD and my director of photography know what this is. Now I'm going to try to just be an actor, you know, at least mm. while I'm in the scene. But, you know, look, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I'm also, uh, but, I, but I do this anyway. I'm aware of where the camera is when I'm acting. Mm. Um, uh, I used to think that was bad. That was bad actor stuff. Um, but I've since kind of realized I'm like, that's who I am. But anyway, yeah. So then it just kind of, it literally, it's, it's compartmentalizing. You know, you're like in a scene and this kind of like taking it a step further from what I was already used to, which is like, I'm more, I, I, I'm so used to knowing, needing to know where the cameras are because of producing a show and spending all my time in an editing room. I got to make sure the cameras are doing what I need them to do so that when I get in that editing room, I've got the coverage that I need. So coming from that world on Sunny, even when I wasn't directing, uh, it just then became that one extra step of like, okay, right now I'm the one who's actually going to call cut. So I'm, yeah. cause I already, know, I, I know when a scene ends, I just don't say the word cut. So I go, okay, well now I got to say the word. Like now I'm the one that says the word. And then I got to like, you know, walk back there and watch a replay or, you know, something like that. Yeah. But, so it just took some, it took a little bit of practice, but um, it didn't take as long as I thought it might. No, you did such a great job. It was such a fun week. Um, And I do have to say, this cold open between Victor and Eduardo is probably my favorite cold open that AP Bio has done. I thought it was hilarious. And I thought there was just such a sensitivity where it was so fun. I even remember at the table read when we read it, people were losing their mind. And then just to see sort of the sensitivity in it as well with, you know, Eduardo talking about his mom and and just dealing that, weaving that in with the comedy. I mean, what was your approach to that scene? Cause it's, it's perfect. I'm so, yeah, well, thank you. I, I'm so glad you asked me that because um, what I told those guys and I, I pulled them aside uh, cause I wanted them thinking about this uh, before we even uh, were shooting the episode was that we were shooting the episode before. And I just kind of pulled them aside and I said, Hey, I'm picturing this scene. I like, I don't want you guys to think of this scene as a comedy scene. I want you to pure, I want you to play this scene as if you're in a network drama. Like this should be, this should be, this is us through all the way. You know what I mean? <laughs> It should be a very like tender and serious scene. Don't make it funny. Don't worry about being funny. Don't, I don't want it to be funny. I don't, I said, cause I was like, it will be funny. It will be funny because you're having this like really heart to heart conversation. So, so, you know, I, I want people to, to <laughs> forget that they're watching a comedy, honestly, you know, we, and we even, that's why we put in the drama music too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so then when they go in for the hug, you're like, oh, this is really, wow. Okay. Right. 
And then you kind of slowly pan down and then the hands creep down and he grabs the breath. And then I'm like, oh, and there's the fuck. Because I'm like, that makes that joke to me, which is the funniest, the main thing, that makes that joke so much funnier if everything leading up sure. to it has been about breast cancer. Yeah. A couple dudes like us not knowing how to unclasp a bra? Is that your sister's? Yep. My mom got rid of all of hers after a double mastectomy. Oh my God, Eduardo, I'm so sorry. You never told me that. It's okay. She's safe now. <sighs> she was so brave for the whole thing. I've heard it said that women hold up half the sky, but it sounds like she's holding up more than her fair share. She's a queen for sure. Was it scary for you? It was. I'm just glad she's okay. Okay. <laughs> it was. It's brilliant. One of my favorites. Um, and so you good. did such a great job. That shot is perfect. It's it's such a great payoff for that for that scene. So Thanks. yeah, yeah. Really? a lot of fun. I, yeah. well, we spent way too much time on that scene. We shot that scene really? the first scene we shot that day, and I was like, okay, well now we're way behind. <laughs> Worth it, oh no! Worth no, it. Yeah, it looks amazing. I that scene so much. I was like, I want to spend all day on this one scene. Oh yeah. Another one of our favorite days on that during that week was when we were in the young entrepreneurs club um, and there was the watermelon pig gag and Allison, when we interviewed her, she said that was her favorite moment of season three, hands down. And then um, we were absolutely dying at Yu Yao <laughs> when she is telling the story about Popo's knee and really trying to sell that. And we vividly remember you giving such great and specific direction to her you would come back and, and whisper something in her, to her ear and then she would do it again and every take it just got better and better so what was that day like for you because it was that scene was insane there's so many people in it and then having to get that sensitivity again mm-hmm. yeah i mean sometimes i think people feel pressure to be like okay this is supposed to be funny but it's not like necessarily inherently funny i mean what she's saying is she's calling her grandmother and saying like your knees you know what i mean like you know sometimes it's just about like making sure the actor understands they don't really need to do anything funny this is popo my beloved grandmother recently she slipped on an orange while grocery shopping please open your hearts and invest five hundred dollars to cover the deductible for popo's knee surgery and on top of all of this, like I said, this episode is jam-packed. It's also a great episode for you and Durbin. I feel like you guys have such a great arc with the Poppy Bunny and the morning show. And it, it's such a great um, dynamic between the two of you. And I would love to hear a little bit more about your dynamic with Patton on set. And then how, again, to sort of switch gears and then direct him. Well, I mean, as you guys know, I mean, Patton's just like, I just, I just love that guy so much. I mean, I really don't have to, like, I feel like I don't have to do anything uh, that isn't my genuine feelings for Patton as a human being when I'm acting Jack. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really just about kind of being present with him. And he's such a funny guy. Like, I, I'm this is, it's this way with anybody. Like, I'm, I want to be so present when I'm in a scene, uh, when I'm acting in a scene, because I want to 
really uh, react to everything that that person is doing. And it really does in real time in the scene. Um, uh, and, and Patton's just, you know, he's, he's just like that. He's right there. You know, I, I know I can say anything and he'll, if I improvise something, he'll, he'll, he'll jump right in. Like he's, I love that. So we would love to hear more. If you could walk us through a little bit of the post-production process. Um, what do you like to bring when you, when you're getting ready to go to the editing, editing bay, as well as what is it like working on post and like working on that, your episode that you directed, as well as we were still in production shooting the rest of the season. So having to balance both of those elements. Uh, <clears throat> well, I, li- I like to do as much, like personally, uh, I like to uh, give the editor as much freedom as possible. So, you know, I try to, I try as much as possible. If the, usually the, if you've got a good editor and we did, um, the editor's cut, is like, okay, that's a, that's a version of it. And then it's, so rather than just kind of going in and sitting with him while he makes edits, I like to give notes, watch a new cut, give more notes, watch another cut, give more notes and try to like let him do it with my notes until it finally gets to that point where I have to get in there and go, okay, let's, I now I want to try a bunch of music I want to like try a bunch of weird like cuts for that. But like, um, it's really just about experimenting. It's really just getting in there and, you know, getting a feel for the rhythm and, uh, uh and then also of course, like picking, picking the best takes, uh, which that, <laughs> that alone could just be incredibly time consuming. But, um, yeah. but I usually just kind of come prepared with remembering, you know, the takes that I like the best on the day. Um, mm. and always, uh, with, uh, the music choices, which I was, which I was pretty excited to do with this particular episode. I kind of wanted to do like a, you know, even though like the music's not like all ska necessarily, but like, there's this, you can, t- I mean, since we're talking about like Durbin's band, like his old ska band, uh, I, I, I put in a bunch of like kind of punk and post punk, uh, music in, in the episode. Um, and that was, that was all, that was all on purpose. I, 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 I think if I could do anything other than doing what I do, it would be just being this music supervisor on a show and just picking up the music for a show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know you're so into music. So that's awesome. Yeah. Even Sarah and I, when we're editing episodes of this podcast, we're always like going to find the perfect piece of music to go with like the transition or the intro. Yeah. Like I, that's my yeah. favorite part about this as well. So mm. And and Mike, actually, I remember he was telling us that when he was courting you for, for AP Bio, he actually showed you the Ramones, um, the theme song or the song that would become our theme song. Yeah. So. And that was another reason why there's always been this kind of punk music like thing happening uh, through the show. You know, I mean, I remember in the I think in the pilot, uh, Mike put this awesome Modern Lovers song in um and 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 i just was like oh man he's got this ramones like he's got the ramones in the title sequence he's got this great modern lover song you know so mm-hmm. i kind of just always really loved that and i i wanted i wanted to kind of follow that tradition with my episode by you know the the first that first montage when he's running through the when jack's running through the hall like grabbing all the get hoppy books from the faculty yeah is i i i, I I mean, that song is from 16 Candles. 
Um, oh. And I very consciously, very, very consciously uh, was like, picked a, a John Hughes 16 Candles punk. That is awesome. I didn't even realize. Yeah, you're right. Wow. And then, um, and then that, yeah, the, the, the other song that happens during Durbin's like slow, slow motion walk is a song called uh, Peaches by the Stranglers, which I just love. No, the music, music is perfect. It makes all the difference in the world, the right song to match the right moment. And it's so cool to hear about your process. Yeah, and have it be slightly unexpected. Like, I, you know, there's certain, like we, like originally we were thinking for the, for that slow walk, it was going to be like some kind of funk, you know, kind of song. And we did all that stuff and it was, and it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. But I was like, ah, it's too perfect. It's too obvious. Oh. It's too. Yeah. On the two on the nose. It's too on the nose. It's too on the nose. Yeah. I, wanted it, I wanted it to be a little strange. And I remember you said in another interview, and maybe this is applicable to your editing process, like what you, I guess, don't gravitate towards is when you like see a joke or you see a scene and you're like, okay, they're going to turn right. They're going to turn right. And then they turn left. Um, and I know that's something you said resonates with you. So maybe in your editing process, you were also trying to bring that to it. Yeah, I'm all, I, for sure. Like I'm, I always like to be very conscious of what the joke is supposed to be based on uh, all comedy or, you know, based on like the comedies that have come before uh, and not doing that. Yeah. You know, because I, there's, you know, we, we, we've all been so inundated with entertainment at this point. You know I mean? We, we just have so much entertainment coming at us uh, that we just know what the jokes are going to be. Uh, now and yeah. that can't so I try to use that to my to my advantage uh certainly in my writing when I go like okay this is the part of the movie where the joke is this so I'm gonna do what's the opposite of that <laughs> yeah uh you know what what's the what's the most unexpected uh thing that could happen here and then it's like I kind of don't even care that much if it's that funny I just don't want people to be like I just want people I just want people to always be like, whoa, wait, what? I wasn't expecting that. Like, that's always what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for in my entertainment. And that it's, it's also what I'm looking for whenever I'm writing. Well, thank you so much, Glenn, for your insight. I mean, you just continue to elevate this show and, and we are so grateful to work with you and be on this journey with you. And thank you for making time for us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Um, what about the extra credit, Mr. Griffin? That's right, Sarika. Time for another extra credit segment. So for this one, we were so fascinated by Glenn's little tidbit about post-production that we actually reached out to the co-producer of the post-production team of AP Bio. Her name is Crystal Rose Holmes to tell us a little bit more about the process. Take it away, Crystal. The post-production process for AP Bio is not much different than most half-hour comedies. We do have an extra step that we add um, after it gets to producer's cut, which is really great. But we pretty much follow the same structure that most half-hour comedies and one-hour dramas follow. So we go through something called the cuts process, which you know starts off as an editor's cut. The editor's cut is usually the longest cut. It's pretty much the editor's interpretation of the episode per the script. It tends to be longer than most cuts because you really want to add the stuff in there that, you know, we want the director to have an option to take away. So once it gets to that process, we send that editor's cut over to the director. And then the director comes into our department, which is post. And they sit in for two days with the editor and they chip away at the editor's cut to create the director's cut. And in that process, 
process, the director's really kind of fine-tuning it and pulling it down to size and kind of, you know, getting it in shape to, to let our showrunner, Mike O'Brien, take a look and kind of, you know, chip away at it at that point. So once it gets finished with the directors, um, it goes over to Mike O'Brien and then it becomes the producer's cut that he's working on. Mike really kind of gets into that episode and kind of breaks it down, not only just for, you know, edit choices, but he's really taking a look at performances and, you know, he's got his eyes on so many different things while he's watching the episode to kind of pull out the best parts of it and make sure that everything is showcased. And Mike takes a couple of days with it at that point, but the, the added stuff that he does, which is really great, is he takes the episode to the writer's table. So we have something called writer screenings, where essentially we all sit in a big room and we watch the episode. And Mike, you know, he's he's there taking notes and he wants to see when people are laughing or not laughing and that really kind of helps him to further his producer's cut process and he takes those notes and um, he goes back to the cut so the writers some may say oh you cut that part out let's add that back in and then the room will have a conversation about it and then you know if it's if it's a good argument for it, you know Michael will add it or take it away so um, it's really great to you know see what you know works for the room as opposed to your own personal opinion because nine times out of ten what we leave from that room with are you know really great Additions are edits that really make the episode work. Today's roll call features actor, comedian, and poker enthusiast Nick Pine. Nick is going to give you some invaluable insight on the fine art of being an adult. Friendship comes in the form of a couch. Hi, this is Nick Pine, and I play Marcus on Peacock's AP Bio, and apparently I'm interviewing myself, so let's see how that goes. Question number one, where did you grow up? So I'm originally from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, the, the, the Twin Cities. It's extremely cold, but it's a, it's a great place to, uh, to be a kid. Lots of fun. What high school did you go to? So I went to a really preppy high school in the suburbs. I uh, I was probably the the poorest kid who was paying full tuition. Um, so everybody I, I went to school with had really big suburban houses on the lake. So I would just, you know, go to their house and they would have all kinds of stuff. And then I would come home and just be super ungrateful at my own house, which was pretty unhealthy, but it was also, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. How many times have you gone golfing since quarantine? None actually, which is surprising because it's a perfect quarantine activity, social distancing. I, I just haven't, I don't have a car, so I'm a little hesitant to jump in an Uber to a golf course, but I, I my dad's been telling me that I should, and I don't know why I haven't. Soon, I, I swear to God, soon. I've been watching a ton of golf because golf is back. Can you tell us about that time you and Jacob Houston traveled to Vegas for a poker tournament? <laughs> yeah, so um, last summer, Houston and I got invited to play a, cel- a celebrity poker tournament at Aria in Las Vegas, and it was during the World Series of Poker. So we went like a day early and checked out the World Series. And that was just fun because it was the first time, I think it was the first time in my life I've been on a road trip with just friends. So it was just uh, he and I, you know, driving through the desert and getting to Vegas and kind of being overwhelmed. And uh, we stayed in this this terrible hotel and we were supposed to be there three days, but after 36 hours, 
it was midnight and we looked at each other and we were kind of like, do you want to leave? And, and we were like, yeah, we should leave. So we drove, we were just like, let's get the hell out of Nevada. And we drove all night back after 36 hours, but we had a great time and it's a great memory and we're glad that we did it. What is your favorite brand of cigar? So, uh, everybody knows that I like cigars. I have a, um, I've sort of caught the Cuban bug, but my, my favorite, uh, Cuban cigar brand is uh, just is Cohiba. What is the best prank you've pulled on set? I mean, anytime you can mess with Spence, it's always a winner because he's he's so gullible. I I mean, this wasn't that creative, but I remember season one when we were doing um, house party episode at that house in we were at a house in Encino and they put us up in this this carriage house for our green room and um, Spence was sound asleep and I slapped him in the face with a wet paper towel, which I, like I said, not creative, but, but it was funny. What is your favorite episode of AP bio? Uh, Loaded question because I think I, sometimes you judge your favorite by like a sense memory, by what was the most fun to shoot? What do you have the best memory of? And then there's also what do you think, what do I think is the most uh, creative and, and well done? Um, I, I think just because it's so different from anything we've done, I have to say that, that, that. Um, I, I Just because it's such a, de- it, it came out great. And I think it's such a departure from anything we've done. And anytime we, we try to do something different, I'm always a fan of that. So I'll go with that, that, that. What do you think Marcus would say about being in quarantine? I think he'd be having the best time. Him and his mom would just be uh, hanging out, uh, you know, probably cuddling a little bit inappropriately, but they would think it's fine. How long did it take you to get a couch in your apartment? Uh, Two years? A year and a half? Two years? Uh, Allison and, and her husband, Dylan for my birthday last year, took me to Ikea and kind of forced my hand, which I'm glad they did because it was just in time for quarantine. I don't know what I'd be doing with an empty apartment. She told, the way she put it was, Allison said to me, if you turn 30 and your place is still empty, it's not cute anymore. It's just weird behavior. And uh, she she is right. So uh, yeah, year and a half. Who is a better co-star, Olivia Munn or Jennifer Aniston? I mean, I, I have to say uh, they were both lovely. Aniston, just because she's like famous in the way an ex-president is famous, like one of the most famous human beings in the world. And her level of personability and warmth and sweetness, given how famous she is, she doesn't have to do that. Um, and she did that to me when I was absolutely nobody. Uh, I'm still nobody, but um, I was even more nobody then. And that was just something I'll never forget. So what was your first impression of Allison Snyder? Oh, this is a good one. So as everybody knows, Allison is one of my absolute best friends in the world. Um, I think she and I have kind of a, just a really unique, close connection. When I first met her, I thought she was super stuck up because we actually talked about this recently because uh, she was just during the pilot, she was kind of like 
a little bit quiet, like a little bit standoffish. And I had Googled her and I knew she was a Disney kid. And like, she just, you know, and it's natural. Like we didn't really know each other yet. So people aren't going to open up immediately. And so I just was like, oh, she's, um, she's just a stuck up Disney kid who thinks that she's, she's too cool to be here. So I was like, yeah, whatever. And she thought that I, she's admitted to me, she thought that I was like, super weird and super out there and, and, and trying to, trying to be over the top, but quickly realized that she was like, oh, this is real. There's no front on him. And then we just, uh, you know, became close and went, went along from there. So, but yeah, I hated her at the, at the beginning. Have you ever broken a prop or set piece? Uh... I don't recall. What are some stand-up comedians you look up to? Uh, I like a lot of comics who are um, not super well-known, not super mainstream, which I know sounds really hipster to say, but it's, I, I like a lot of comics who are sort of, um, if, you're, if you're in the comedy world, you know and respect them. Like, I like a lot of comics comics. Um, so uh, if if you want some big names, um, Sinbad is one of my all-time favorites. I still think Sinbad is brilliant. And I finally got to see him last year, which was amazing. So we'll go with Sinbad. A partner Brielle wants to know, oh God, what does a partner want to know? What have you been up to in quarantine besides sitting on your couch? Not much. I should get out. I should go play some golf or do something, but... What question would you like to ask our next guest, Jacob Houston? Um, when are you going to move out of your mom's house? What is your message for the next generation? Oh, my God. Am I that old? Uh, I guess uh, thinking about maybe what I would have liked to hear when I was younger was um, everything's going to be okay everything that that seems like it's a big deal right now will eventually fade and you'll be okay you'll find yourself you'll grow and you will become self-actualized and find confidence in yourself and find what you're good at so i guess if you're sort of lost early on don't panic um you you'll figure it out Speaking of first impressions, when I first met you, Nick, I, not gonna lie, was a little scared of you. But as time has gone on, oh man, Nick, you are just a prickly love bug, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks for all of our chats on set. Yes, Nick, thank you for your kind words, and we still have a shopping trip that needs to happen because there is a Burberry coat with your name on it, so... See you when the world is normal, maybe. That's a wrap on episode 304. Thank you so much to Glenn Howerton and Nick Pine for being our special guests. And thanks to Katie and Trey for helping us bring this episode to life. Catch up on season three of AP Bias, streaming now only on Peacock. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast to boost our GPA. See you next time to talk about episode 305. It's going to be a fun one. Thank you. Bye.